Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where books and writing topics are center stage and where authors give voice to the written words. I'm Landis Wade, and on behalf of my co-host, Hannah LaRue and Sarah Archer, we thank you for listening. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hey, readers and writers, welcome to this episode number 354 of Charlie's Podcast Beyond 300. We're wrapping up the summer with this uh, episode. It's the end of August. Fall is just around the corner. Uh, I'm here with co-host Sir Archer and Hannah Rue, and we've got a great lineup for you today to uh, wrap up uh, the summer days. Uh, yeah, today we feature Jarrett Krasoshka, um, who is the New York Times bestselling author, illustrator behind more than 40 books for young readers in his book, Sunshine, How Camp Taught Me About Life, Death, and Hope. It's a really great book. Um, a follow-up to his National Book Award finalist, uh, graphic memoir, Hey Kiddo. This recent book brings readers back to Camp Shun- Sunshine to meet the campers and counselors who changed the course of his life. That sounds really good. And then we're going to have a writing topic discussion with blogger Marjorie Klein. Um, The title is Inspiration Plus Imagination Equals Fiction. Yeah, we're going to finish up with uh, book recommendations and uh, what's coming next on the podcast. Yeah, but first, what's up with the podcast book? This month, we're celebrating the release of book six in the Write Quote series titled Writing Community, Revision, and Editors. Yeah, super excited about this one. There's a lot of great material in there, um, inspirational and practical quotes that we've pulled from over 500 podcast interviews with hardworking, award-winning, and New York Times bestselling authors in more than 33 U.S. states and five countries. Yeah, and this book reveals how writers really feel about writing community, revision, and editors. Um, to learn more, just head over to our website, charlottereaderspodcast.com, and click on the podcast books tab in the menu bar. Uh, you can order this book online and wherever print books are sold. Also, don't forget that the first book in the Write Quote series, which is called The Writing Life, can be downloaded for free online. That's our gift to you, to the writing universe. So look for that link in the podcast books page of our website. Yeah, and you can also pre-order the upcoming books in the series now. Um, Gosh, we're uh, almost uh, out of books. So we only got seven and eight left. Uh, Book seven comes out September 1st. It's The Emotional Writing Journey, Uh, the ups and downs of being a writer and uh, perseverance and everything that goes with it. Uh, book eight, publishing and book marketing. Uh, it's an October one release. Uh, a lot of good content in there about the publishing world and how to get your book out there. Uh, and of course, we've got books uh, one through six. Uh, so check those out as well. If you want to receive all eight of the books for free, the eBooks, then you can join our street team. Um, just go to the contact tab on the menu bar at charlottereaderspodcast.com, or you can also go to the podcast books page of the website, and there's a link there to join. All you have to do is um, just agree to leave your short, honest reviews online about the books, just a few words about how you felt about them, and you will get all eight eBooks for free. These aren't heavy reads, but they're full of weighty tips and reflections. Yeah, and don't forget that if you become a Patreon supporter of the show, uh, for as little as $5 a month, we'll give you all the books for free ahead of their release. Um, That's in addition to the 150 exclusive interviews that you'll be able to access on our channel on the craft and business of writing. All right. uh, So, yeah, check those books out. Uh, When you do, you're helping the podcast, and uh, you're also getting uh, insight into what uh, all these writers think about uh, this thing called writing. We have an affiliation with Libro.fm because you can get audiobooks from them, and when you do, you support independent bookstores. If you'd like to sign up with them for your audiobooks, use the promo code CHARLOTTEREADER and claim your free audiobook. All right, here we are in Act 1. We are going to let Hannah tell us who the author is and uh, the title of the book. Yeah, we've got uh, Jarrett Krasoshka. I had an awesome conversation with him about his new book called Sunshine, How Camp Taught Me About Life, Death, and Hope, um, which is the follow-up to his first graphic memoir called Hey Kiddo. Jarrett, uh, like I said earlier, he is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written more than 40 books for young kids. Um, he's got the really popular series about lunch ladies, so he's got a lunch lady graphic novel set, um, select volume of the Star Wars Jedi Academy series, and of course, Hey kiddo like we just mentioned earlier a great book um Jarrett creates books with humor heart and deep respect for his young readers qualities that have made his titles 
perennial favorites on the bookshelves of homes, libraries, and bookstores over the past 20 years. Um, He's got an excellent fan base, and he just, in both young adults and adults and everything in between. Um, In addition to his work in print, Krasoshka produced, directed, and performed in the full cast audiobook adaptations of all of his graphic novels. Um, A consummate advocate for arts education, Jarrett also established the Joseph and Shirley Krasoshka Memorial Youth Scholarships, which fund art classes for underprivileged children in his hometown of Worcester, Massachusetts. And he Mm -hmm. does a ton of um, school tours. He loves being in that kind of environment. So it's, it's really great. Yeah. All right. Well, Sarah, give us a little synopsis of Jarrett's book here. Yeah, sure. So um, when Jarrett was in high school, he was part of a program that sent students to be counselors at a camp for seriously ill kids and their families. Uh, Going into it, he was worried, thinking it would be depressing to be around kids facing such a serious struggle. It might be grim. But instead of the shadow of death, he found something else at Camp Sunshine, the hope and determination that gets people through the most troubled of times. He was subject to some of the usual rituals that come with being a camp counselor, like wilderness challenges, spooky campfire stories, an extremely stinky mascot costume. (laughs) But he also got the chance to meet extraordinary kids facing extraordinary circumstances and he learned about the captivity of illness but also about the freedom a safe space can bring. Um, This is the follow-up to his National Book Award finalist Hey Kiddo and in this book Jared is bringing readers back to Camp Sunshine to meet the campers and fellow counselors who changed the course of his life. I always loved camp as a kid um, and uh, you know wanted to be a camp counselor and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Camp's great and Fun interview here, and let's not delay. Let's get uh, let's get right to it. Hey, listeners, we're here today with a super fun episode. I'm just so excited about it um, with Jarrett Krasoska, author of Hey Kiddo, and then the follow-up memoir, um, Sunshine. Jarrett, thank you so much for joining me today. No, thanks for having me, Hannah. Yeah, I was just telling him before we hopped on, I was like, I've been a longtime fan of his work and Hey Kiddo in general, so I'm going to have to reel it in a little bit and not fangirl too hard. Um, <laughs> I just feel like I have so many questions for you. Um, but so just kind of diving into your work in general, I love like, so these are graphic memoirs, basically, which is kind of a different thing. You don't really come across or I haven't hadn't really come across that too often. Um, you know, Hey Kiddo sort of dives into your past. You've had kind of a traumatic um upbringing but you know and then this book sort of takes you through to working with uh sick kids and just like at a camp called Camp Sunshine um so just to sort of get a background of how you decided that you wanted to write about this next when did you kind of start writing this this piece and how did that sort of come to be Sunshine was initially a chapter in an early draft of Hey Kiddo mm-hmm. uh, my, my time working at a camp, a therapeutic camp for, for children with cancer and other life-threatening illnesses was very pivotal in my development as a, as a human being and as an artist. And that chapter was just so like unwieldy. Like it just, it, it, it like sent the protagonist on this whole other side quest right. about 80% of the way through the, the plot of Hey Kiddo. And so my editor said, you know what, like this story doesn't belong here. If, if you were ever to continue to write memoir, that, that maybe this would be the second one. And I still needed the, the reader to understand my motivation for, for replying to my biological father's initial letter. And that was because I, these kids at camp said like, oh, you're like, you're like a big brother to us. And that got my brain thinking like, well, what if my father went on to have other children? And I, I have siblings out there that I don't know about and I won't know about them until I write them. So uh, that chapter f- uh, about my time at camp was whittled down to a single page in wow. Hey Kiddo. And, uh, and so it was a story that I still wanted to tell. And so uh, you, you could read Hey Kiddo up until page 262, stop, read all 200 something pages of Sunshine, and then read the remaining you know 80 or so pages of Hey Kiddo for it to be in a, a, you know, a proper timeline. That's super interesting. Um, and you mentioned kind of how this or that chapter and now this book was sort of pivotal, like that time in your life was pivotal to your, to your development. Um, you know, what were some of the strongest memories that you had and maybe had a little bit more trouble writing about from camp that were probably harder to deal with, but helped you in the long run in terms of your own growth? You mean like what was more what was more emotionally difficult to revisit? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I would say that the answer to that might give away the ending of the book. Yeah, uh, that's probably true. <laughs> but uh, just just in general, uh, you know, it was you know difficult to. I guess I should say making the book Sunshine made me realize there was a lot that I hadn't processed about that experience. And okay. I think that's generally the case with memoir in that you're, you are going on a, a deep dive into an experience that you had. Um, and, and then it becomes sad when you finish because uh, when you finish the book, because then you're saying, you know, goodbye to these experiences all over again. You know, right. Uh, memoir isn't filled with just, you know, awful hardships, but also lighthearted moments and humor and fun moments like life itself. So uh, it was, uh, and, but it, re it regards to like, how did I draw upon those experiences? Like I, I, I journaled a lot at the time and I also took hours and hours of footage via my camcorder. Right. Oh my gosh. And I feel like you, you mentioned like kind of humorous. There's, and I feel like hope is a huge theme in your work too. So even though there's these darker moments and things that really kind of like force you into these uh, periods of um, sadness or grief or whatever it might be, you also come away from reading what you write with a lot of hope. Um, and I kind of pulled a line that I really loved from Sunshine that I wanted to talk about a little bit that sort of touches on that. Um, so there's a scene where one of the characters, uh, Diego, who's in a wheelchair, um, you're all going on a zip line and he's just like, I can't do this. I'm in a wheelchair. And um, you say, I wasn't expecting to step outside of my comfort zone, but if I expected my campers to you know, you've got to do it. So what are some of the ways that you feel like you step outside of your comfort zone now or, you know, throughout the story at Camp Sunshine as a result of what your campers were willing to do or able to do? As as an author and an artist, you know, I, I, I thrive off stepping beyond my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, when it comes to deciding what projects I want to spend my time on, um, I do ask myself, like, what's going to make me feel a little uneasy or a little uncomfortable because uh for me now 22 years into my career um i've 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 now experienced like i remember the first time i ever wrote and illustrated a picture book like there was uneasiness and fear in that because i'd never done that right when i when i tackled the lunch lady books well i had never written a 96 page graphic novel and yeah. then I, I i then i did it uh with the jedi academy books like well i've never worked with um intellectual property that was not my own that is you know iconic and has uh, so many opinionated fans and then and I did that and then and then with with hey kiddo of course like telling some really intimate details about my life and um again with sunshine and I and I hope to do more memoir and I'm working on other books that are very very different from any of the books I did prior and, and there's kind of a decision I made at the very beginning of my career you know uh my first book was called goodnight monkey boy and and the the last thing I wanted to do was to have my second book be Good Morning Monkey Boy. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't I didn't want I wanted to be known as someone who made lots of different characters, and I didn't want to be yeah. just known as like somebody who just makes this character. So even when Lunch Lady was new and and it and it and it really connected with readers, you know, I thought I could just keep making Lunch Lady books for the rest of my life. Yeah, and uh, you know, people would refer to me as the Lunch Lady guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would have been I would have been I would have been very creatively unfulfilled. Right. Well, so what are you working on now? Now I have to ask that. Just so what's what's the different path for you? I can't tell you. Oh no. Just keep me on the edge of my seat, that's fine. I could not tell you. I can't, I can't really I can't reveal those cards just yet. <laughs> oh, that's I I get it. Um I'll just I'll just keep waiting for the news. But no, that's great. I think that it's you bring up the Lunch Lady series, which I always I think is fantastic too, and you probably could just write a million books on that subject. I think it's kind of interesting. I was I forget which author I was reading an interview with recently, um, just about how school lunches just as kids, like the stories that come out of those experience in the lunchroom for kids is just like endless, you know? So I'm kind of curious to you know that we're talking about, you know, just as you're growing up, so many things happen in your life, these pivotal moments, you know, at home, um, at places like Camp Sunshine in the lunchroom. How did you kind of narrow down like what you wanted to write about? Or like, how did you flesh out the experiences? Do you storyboard or how does that kind of work for you? From oh, how do, I, how do I do it now? You mean, how do I yeah. do it now? Yeah. So uh, ideas live in my head. 
uh, and typically take the form of of scribbles and sketchbooks. And and when those when those scribbles are just like screaming for their turn yeah. on my on my drafting table, I then draft out the manuscript. So for all of my graphic literature, be it a graphic novel or a graphic memoir, I write out a script in the, in the exact same way one would write a script for a TV show or a movie in which you have the the characters' names and caps centered and then their dialogue. Okay. And then and then justified left on the paper, you would have descriptors of what you're going to see visually in the action. And so once we have that script nailed down, it's been edited, it's as, it's as, as good as it can be for that moment, I then uh, sketch everything out. And when, when we go to the sketch stage, that's where I might decide that there are certain passages or descriptions in the text that we no longer need because then that is being described through the visuals. Uh, and once the, once the scripts get approved and then, and then comes the more, uh, the heavy lifting of getting all of the final artwork finished. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I think I listened to an interview with you where you kind of talked about your process a little bit too, in the sense that you, so you do um, like you sketch just normally and then you have it digitalized. Is that right? So you put it through, you have it kind of graphically created on the computer or like, how do you, how does the art part work? So I, uh, I, I use ink on paper and then uh, in the case of the memoir, I, I make ink washes on a separate piece of paper and then that gets combined in Photoshop. So uh, it, it's typical for just the line work to get scanned in and, and colored digitally. Uh, but with the memoir, there's, there's something, um, very emotional that's happening in in my my brain and my soul yeah. and my body and so that affects how i put down the marks right and uh you can't replicate that with with digital ink because um when you're doing working with physical material and you're combining ink and water there's a lot of opportunities for mistakes and, and things going in a direction you didn't expect them to go um and with digital you know i can just hit Control z on the keyboard and whatever I just made will, will disappear. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think, uh, like you mentioned, it's, it's more emotional. Like you feel it in your mind, body, soul when you're, you know, creating these illustrations. And I think, uh, as for the reader, when they're reading your books, um, and when I was reading sunshine, it's like, you have the visuals are super emotional, like these images of like camping at night and the kids all together with their counsel. It's just a really sweet, it's such a different experience reading a graphic memoir. Yeah. I think it really does speak to you emotionally. And so I wanted to ask you just about your yeah. experiences drawing growing up um, and, you know, how you got into all of this and was it kind of like a coping mechanism for everything that you were dealing with at home, um, just the stress of your life and just all of that things that are a little bit harder on your mind. Yeah. I mean, I've always, well, I always loved cartoons and comics, right? So I was always yeah. obsessed with, uh, animated cartoons and comics in the newspaper and comic books, uh, uh, superhero comic books. And so I would draw as an excuse to tell a story, right? Like, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I would make a character and then I would write a story for that character. Um, but also what, you know, I didn't realize this at the time that it was also a coping mechanism. It allowed yeah. me to escape. It allowed, it allowed me um, some moments of control. And even, even just the act of mark making, is sort of like a form of meditation, uh, and that's something I need to remind myself now, as 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 an adult who lives uh, via art deadlines for yeah. for professional <laughs> reasons. That right. I sometimes need to just remind myself just to just to take time out to just draw, just to draw, and just to make little images, just to make little images. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting you say that. Sometimes I don't, you know, there's videos online of just like stroking pen strokes and stuff like that, and I love that. Um, right. I wish I could draw, but <laughs> I'll just have to. But you can admire make people like you. Yeah, no, true. Remember, just... <laughs> you you can't draw based on what your own definition is of drawing, but you absolutely can yeah. draw, and you absolutely can make marks on a paper, uh, just for the act of 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 doing so, and for the form of meditation. Like my wife isn't an, an artist, but she is uh, studying, she's getting a, a second master's uh, in holistic mental health wow. with a focus on arts therapy. And the very That's fact cool. that she is not a trained artist is going to make her such a better art therapist because she could reach people who lead with, right. I don't know how to draw. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I need to speak with her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I was hoping you could read a little bit of the book to us today. If sure. That's all right. Sure. Of course, I'm going to read from uh, 
the opening sequence. I'll, I'll read from the prologue. Perfect. I was 16 when I first worked at a camp for kids with life-threatening illnesses. It forever changed the trajectory of my life. Just about everyone who asks about the experience seems to have the same knee-jerk reaction. It must have been so sad. But that could not be further from the truth. I mean, a camp for pediatric cancer patients shouldn't be sad. Those kids already have enough to deal with. No, camp, camp was happy. The happiest place I've ever been. It was a place where illness didn't define campers while they defied their diagnoses. It was uplifting, celebratory. The kids I met weren't dying, they were living, living life to its fullest. All these years later, there, there isn't a day that goes by when I don't think of them. When I was 16, I lived with my grandparents. They had been raising me since I was a toddler. They were supportive of me going to Camp Sunshine in their own way. I just don't see the point in going. You sure you want to do this? Definitely. But isn't it going to be depressing? I doubt that. You doubt that? I don't see how it would be. Wouldn't be. All those kids at this camp, they, they got cancer? Well, not all of the kids are diagnosed with cancer. I mean, the siblings of the sick kids don't have it. And they won't all be little. There's a group for teens as well. I just picture all those bald heads. All the breathing tubes and wheelchairs and crutches. What kind of activities can you even have with such frail kids? How would they load up the oxygen machines onto the canoes? I'm sure the camp has figured out appropriate activities. There was always a lot that went unspoken in our house, including my grandparents' experience with their own son's cancer. Their eldest, Joey, had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when he was in his early 20s before I was born. There were only two things they ever said about the experience. That the treatment prevented Joey from fathering his own children, and that the day he was diagnosed was the only time that my grandmother ever saw my grandfather cry. Well, kiddo, if you intend to make it up to Maine, we'd better get going to school for you to catch the van. I love you, Grandma. I love you, too. To the moon and back. You be careful now, okay? I will. I put on a brave face for my grandmother. She worried about everything. Truth be told, I had no idea what to expect from this coming week. It was a long tradition in my high school for seniors to volunteer for a week at Camp Sunshine. Everyone wanted to go. The jocks, the stoners, the theater geeks, the AP nerds. There was a limited number of slots and about a hundred kids had crammed into the first meeting to sign up for the fall of 1994 sessions. The faculty advisors did what they thought was fair. They chose names from a hat. My name was one of the few chosen. Time and chance had plucked me up and placed me here. And then we go from that to the title page. Oh my gosh. I love that you're, I love your style of reading. Oh, thank you. <laughs> your grandmother's <Thank> accent. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, something I wanted to kind of pull out of what you just read from the prologue is that you say, you know, these kids live with you, right? So you think about them every day. They're such a huge part of your life. Um, I, I think that's such a, a beautiful thing, really. And I was curious to know if you still speak with some of them or how does, you know, is it, how, when do you, when do you experience them kind of visiting your mind the most in which moments? <laughs> Well, I mean, um, thanks to social media, I'm, I'm connected with, with so many of them. Yeah. Uh, and That's of course, great. there was a large chunk of time between the experience and when social media yeah. came about. <laughs> so I, I was able to I was able to keep in touch with, with several of the families. Um, you know, you have this very intense, concentrated amount of time together uh, that, uh, that creates a bond and a friendship that is, is really difficult to, to put into words. And, right. um, you know, I, I did what I could to put it into words and pictures with this book. But um uh, and and several of the several of the families that I tended to all those years ago have you know been turning up at, at various stops on my book tour and some some I knew were coming some completely surprised me and I was just slack jawed when I, when I saw them walk into the, the door. Oh my gosh, that has to be the coolest feeling ever. <laughs> it really is. It truly is. Yes, yes, that's great. And so I know you speak with a lot of schools. Like you, you know, you do. You've done TED talks. You've spoken with schools. You you're kind of. Um, all over the place uh, in terms of yeah. where you speak and all of that kind of thing. What is your favorite part about speaking with students um, or a younger audience? Oh, my, by far my favorite part is um, 
the moment when a presentation is over and everyone's shuffling out and you know the courage it takes a, a young person or any person to then approach the stage to speak to the presenter in those moments when i have somebody coming up to say hello or to chat with me um i know they're doing so because they have a pretty intense reason to that they have yeah. probably a really close connection to my lived experience and so th those those are by far my favorite moments of speaking at schools oh my gosh yeah i'm sure that's super special um i think i w just one of the coolest things to me about what you write about and just like YA or, you know, but you're, I mean, your books can kind of speak to anyone, which is also a neat thing. Um, but I feel like those moments when you're a younger person or you're a young adult, you're kind of growing up, you feel very alone in certain yes. circumstances and situations. Yep. And I feel like through your books, not only the words and the pictures, you feel kind of seen um, mm -hmm. through your experiences, which is great. So from all the kids that have kind of talked to you, like you're saying, coming up to you after talks or, you know, at camp even at that point in time what do you think you've learned the most about just um, finding hope in the face of less than ideal circumstances and what would you tell kids um, today who are going through a time or you know they're sick or they have a hard home life or they're going through a rough time at school or something like that what would you tell them to kind of inspire them to find hope in the situation well, you know, I, I, I make note of this in the author's note in Hey Kiddo, that the, the beautiful thing about growing up is that you get to design your own reality. You get to yeah. decide who, who gets to be in your life. And and when you grow up, you also get to make so many decisions for yourself that you don't get to make as a young person, or as a young adult. Yeah. Um, and most notably so, um, when you can and cannot go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> right? like, I, I can't remember the last one. time in my life in which I had to ask permission to and then get like a special yeah. card or object to hold to say, I have permission to walk these halls. Right. The hall pass. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I think that in and of itself is a good metaphor for 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 life when you transition from uh, childhood to adulthood. Right. So you like, like you have control over your own life and you kind of get mm -hmm. to make those decisions for yourself. That's a really good point. I hadn't even really thought about that. You know, you, you kind of go through school <laughs> and you like have all of these yeah. rules, but you don't really question them so much when you're a kid. Um, yeah. And then when you look back, like, oh, that's pretty humiliating, right? Yeah. Like, you're announcing <laughs> to all of your peers that you have yeah. to be. Oh, yeah, exactly. Which, why? <laughs> yeah. Now I really I just, like that. <laughs> just quietly leave the room and I return when I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm going to remember that forever. I love that. Um, so this kind of ties into a question that I, I definitely wanted to ask you. I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, so you, you said that you've been doing this for 22 years. You've had a, a great long career of writing. I mean, how many books have you written at this point? It's it's a lot, right? So About about 45. 45, yeah. I, th yeah, I so think it's 45. Last, of last I bothered to count, it was 45 yeah <laughs> yeah you lose track after a certain point i feel like it's after you yeah. turn like a certain age you're like i don't know how old i am um so 45 plus ish books later you know what would you have told the younger um jarrett who hadn't written or written their or drawn their first book like what would you tell the younger artist version of yourself as you're kind of embarking on this career absolutely nothing um <laughs> and 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 i you know <laughs> I, I wouldn't because that younger version of me uh, needed to work hard yeah. and needed like, like if you could, if you think of success as a given, mm -hmm. you will have no motivation. Yeah. But if, if there is uh, uncertainty, you, you work so much harder. Yeah. And uh, I did have the mindset and I still do that. It's never a question of if, but when. Right. If you are persistent and you work really hard and uh, you're steadfast. Oh, that's great. So basically, and this kind of ties into the message for, for Sunshine and just sort of our conversation today is kind of do what scares you a little bit or what you might not be so sure about. Yes. Um, and you can probably do a lot more than you imagine that you can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's kind of the exciting part about life, isn't it? <laughs> it is, 100%. 100%. 
I love that so much. Um, well, I wish, like I said, I wish we had a lot more time than this, but I really appreciate you taking out the time today to come chat with me. Oh, well, Hannah, thanks for having this platform and, and thank you for having me on it. Yeah. And everybody, like he said, 45-ish, maybe more books <laughs> out there. Plenty to read and to look at. These, like Your illustrations are beautiful. Your words are beautiful. And I mean, you can't really help but walk away from reading anything that you've written and just feel like this is, I can do whatever I want to do. And I actually just became a mom last year for the first time. I just had my first baby. Thank you. But I feel like I was reading this with a different lens a little bit, just sort of, um, you know, young eyes and ears and just how you, what you want to teach your kids as they grow up. And I know you have three kids, right? So I'm sure. I have three, but parenthood parenthood changes everything in regards to uh, your perception of, of life. I mean, um, you know, I, I initially thought of writing a memoir in my early twenties. And I'm, and I'm glad I didn't because everything was still very much black and white then. Right. And once I, once I became a parent myself, I was able to see my parents as human beings that were just flawed. Yeah. You, you're kind of step out. They're yeah. not just mom and dad who know everything and sh- or should yeah. know everything. <laughs> They're people who are figuring things out too. Um, absolutely. Uh-huh. We could have a whole like three hour episode about that I'm sure but (laughs) Um, but yes thank you so much for coming on here I love your work and I really appreciate it and everybody go check out Sunshine and Hey Kiddo and all 45 46 47 other books that you've written (laughs) it's but if we keep talking it's going to be like 50 by the time we I know right because it it could be 44 (laughs) because every time you you, it's 41 I'm like but it might be 42. It might be 40. No, no it's, a, it's around 45. It's around 45. I mean. Go count and um, shoot me an email. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Jared. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much, Hannah. I appreciate you. Be well. Thank, thank you. you. We have a newsletter called Beyond 300, and we'd love to have you sign up. This is where we share what's coming on the podcast, provide helpful links, and keep you updated on the podcast and the hosts. You can sign up at charlottereaderspodcast.com or the websites of the hosts, leandiswade.com, saraharcherwrites.com, or spellboundpublicrelations.com. And by the way, we won't spam you because that takes way too much time. All right, here we are in Act 2 with our writing topics. Uh, today we've got a blog post uh, from uh, Marjorie Klein, award-winning author. Uh, her title is Inspiration Plus Imagination Equals Fiction. That's a great formula. Sarah, tell us about Marjorie. Yeah, uh, Marjorie's first novel, Test Pattern, was a Barnes & Noble Discover Great New Writer selection. Boom, a Miami Beach story, was published in 2021. And Time in a Bottle was published by Black Rose Writing in February 2023. Um, she's had nonfiction come out in various publications and taught in university writing programs. She received a Florida Individual Artist Fellowship and got an MFA from Florida International University. She's been a judge for the National Foundation for Advancement in the Arts for 13 years. And she's a member of the Flatiron Writers Group in Asheville. Yeah, that's a great group. Um, a lot of great writers in the Asheville area, and they do a, a nice job there. And uh, Marjorie's uh, on to a good formula here. Let's listen to what she has to say. How do you explain inspiration? Maybe it arises from everyday observation and experience that may lie dormant until something triggers it, like biting into a honey-drenched biscuit and being flooded with memories of a grandparent, shades of Proust, or catching a whiff of springtime in the air that reminds you of a long-ago love. Then you take those fleeting memories, infuse them with your probably overactive imagination, let them steep in your unconscious, and voila, an idea for a book, or a character, or a setting where something you may have no idea yet, happens. Or a scene that belongs somewhere, but you don't have a clue where that might be. Some of my inspiration comes from years of writing nonfiction for publications, often covering amazing real stories that embedded themselves into my subconscious and later emerged as armature from my fiction. Entire scenes in my books can be traced to their origins in articles that I wrote years earlier for the Miami Herald's Sunday Magazine. My last two books are set in Miami, and I can attribute the inspirational spark 
for both books to my living in and writing about that city and its people. Turning those experiences into fiction gave reality another dimension for me. Often in researching something for a novel, I find that research takes me into territory that changes the direction and plot of my story. Researching early Native Americans in Florida for my book, Time in a Bottle, inspired the creation of a major character in the book. Imagination took over, and she evolved from the history I was reading about those tribes into a strong and mysterious character. Where did she come from? How did she spring to life in my imagination? I don't know. But here she is, as alive, at least in my mind, as anyone I've ever encountered in real life. Research also led to my development of water as a character of sorts, having its own many chapters throughout the book, creating a theme that carried throughout. Not too surprisingly, since the book is a contemporary fountain of youth story. But water? A character? What inspired that? Sometimes it's just the alchemy of disparate objects or experiences meeting and inspiring an idea having nothing to do with its original sources. A scene in Boom originated from my spontaneously deciding to go to the clearance sale of the contents of the Fontainebleau Hotel before it was gutted to be renovated. What was I going to do with that? I had no idea. But something told me to be there because it was just too weird to pass up. I knew I'd use it somewhere, and I did. I don't know if I'd call it inspiration, but when I'm on a writing roll in my fiction, I often feel that I'm just transcribing the movie in my head. It's all there. The characters, the setting, the dialogue. I can see it all happening, hear what they're saying, watch my characters do what they do. I hesitate to confess this because it seems a little hallucinatory. But how else to explain it? Maybe inspiration isn't definable. Maybe it's more in the realm of woo-woo. Sometimes, just when I'm on the cusp of falling asleep, images float on the edge of my consciousness. People I've never met, places I've never been, scenery totally unfamiliar to my waking self. I watch all this with benign interest, as if I'm on a train that's traveling through foreign but fascinating territory, lulling me to sleep. I never gave this experience much thought until, in my research on LSD for a book on recreational drugs that I co-authored many years ago, I came across a term, eidetic imagery. Not to be confused with eidetic memory, also known as photographic memory, eidetic imagery, an interior kaleidoscope of colors, patterns, people, and scenes, may materialize under the influence of psychedelics or when daydreaming or falling asleep. Scientific explanations abound, but perhaps this landscape from another world is really my source of inspiration. So, when asked, where do I get my ideas? I can answer, from the place where dreams begin. All right, sounds like uh, somewhere over the rainbow, right? Yeah, <laughs> so beautiful. Yeah. Like, wow, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's very dreamy. The subconscious uh, has a way of uh, doing things that... Uh, we can't explain. No, we can't explain. It could be woo-woo. It could be magic. But uh, this this is a great uh, post. Uh, thank you, Marjorie, for that. Um, and lots to unpack here. Um, I was at the Fountain Blue one time for a conference, and I love seeing it portrayed in old movies now or in even 
recent shows like uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. They actually made a trip to the Fountain Blue Hotel. Yeah, very classic. Uh, I love that show. Yeah. yeah. See things like that. You know, you got the mid-century modern all coming back, stuff they tried to get rid of from the 60s, and everybody's clamoring for it and mm. paying 10 times what it was worth, you know, back then. Uh, but I digress. We're talking about inspiration here. <laughs> what do you think, Sarah? Uh, yeah, this is a great post. I think it's it's one of the things that is wonderful, but also kind of frustrating about writing sometimes is that you can't force inspiration. Um, you can't make yourself feel inspired. You can't make yourself have a good idea. But I think that being just kind of curious about life in general is a great, great way to get yourself inspired as a writer. You know, meet new people and be observant about them. Observe what makes them who they are, makes them unique or interesting to you. Um, travel, read a book or watch a movie that's outside of what you normally read or watch. Like just experiencing life is going to be a way to get those creative juices flowing and help you get ideas. Yeah. And Hannah, we talk a lot about, you know, coming up with inspiration for writing, but does the same not apply to marketing? Uh, and how do you, I don't know if I've ever asked you, how do you, where do you get your ideas, you know, for marketing? Yeah. I mean, I think it's different for sure because like you're giving, you're given a project or a story that's already been crafted to publicize or market. So it's not like you can, um, you know, conjure up some sort of different style like I love how she talks about like personifying water and giving it its own sort of chapters in her work and things like that so it's it's definitely a little bit different but I think you know it's storytelling in general you definitely have to have some sort of inspiration and think outside the box and that kind of thing so I feel like it's kind of it can be tricky sometimes but it's I would say that kind of the inspirational aspect of it comes from like for me if, especially if it's book PR and that I just I have to be in inspired when I read the book so it's like if I feel like I can uh, you know feel the heart of the writer and um, the story itself it, it really gives me more to work with and get creative on as far as like where can I put this like is this character what what's this character's background where where does this take place like what um, field or locate you know just getting creative as far as where I reach out to for sure um, so it's, it's kind of like reading between the lines a little bit, I guess, is a good way to put it for me. It's just like taking a story and saying, all right, so what's the actual backdrop here? Like, what's the background and what do I do with that? Um, so different, well, the, but sort of the, the same. And the reason I put you on the spot with that question is because you've said in the past, um, that, uh, book marketing is essentially storytelling, you know, that you're, you're taking a story and you are telling your story and that's why you, you you tell authors not to run away from this thing called marketing because it's just a natural extension you know of what they're doing but then you have to be inspired about okay where would this book you know resonate the most uh you know how would we attract the most people to want to read this book or participate and therein lies some form of you know imagination maybe there's a memory oh we did this way back then this might fit well or maybe uh with some research you've done about different things but it seems like some of the same principles would apply to marketing as they do to writing the story itself yeah for sure i mean it, it definitely does i think like in storytelling it's kind of what i mean by saying all right so reading a story and being inspired by the story and the back the background of the story and how it came to be um, and a lot of the people we have on the show too, talking about their characters and just like, what would this character do in this situation? Or was it John Hart that said, put them all in a room and have someone murder another one, <laughs> see what, see what they would actually do. And I think in my brain, as I'm reading something that I'm going to be promoting or that I have the option of promoting, it's like, do I feel connected to the characters and can I see how they would react in situations or like what their backgrounds are and the stories, like what is the story story? That's like important to me to feel mm -hmm. like. I know that um, and again I think like you can really feel that in in books written by writers who feel passionately or have researched what they're writing about or it's it's like you I, I think that that's a very um, what's the word I'm looking for it's like it 
translates itself well on the page when it's done well mm. um so absolutely it's it's totally like getting creative i feel like half the job in, in pr too and like this is kind of the bad ref that a lot of pr people get it's like twisting things around to make it into what you want need it to be which is the truth you know it's like i'm gonna twist this to fit into like i'm gonna twist a uh, square into a circle sometimes mm. <laughs> and see if i can make it fit somewhere abstract that um, that's my half the fun was kind of hurting because you were twisting me when you were helping me yeah Janet, yeah. Janet helped me do that. So <laughs> shout out to Janet. Yeah. <laughs> we I felt met like outside. I was being twisted into a circle instead of a square. I guess. <laughs> we had coffee one morning. We were like, "Where can we catch him?" <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that's good. And I like what she says here about um, memories and research uh, serving as fodder for inspiration. Uh, sometimes memories not being explainable for the inspiration, but uh, research uh, actually being the first step toward gaining that inspiration. I know, Sarah, you've talked about this before with, um, you know, memories uh, of TV shows you'd seen or movies that kind of sparked an idea for your novel, The Plus One, you know, that kind of led to some inspiration there. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I I love the way she talked to you about sort of sense memories. Like, I think she gave the example of like biting into a biscuit with Mm, honey or something that sort of proustian thing of like sometimes that is the strongest you smell something you taste something you see something or hear something and it it just brings back such a flood of memories um, and takes you to a different place in your life and so I think that can be a great way to tap into inspiration Um, the research like she talked about too I think even though you can't really ever truly force inspiration that's probably the closest you can come is doing research on your topic and that's a good way to um jog ideas and just to help you start to think about the story and the characters differently or sometimes I think you also just find inspiration as you write like you can just make yourself sit down and start to get the draft out and then the ideas come as you go as well and if you want uh, there are those memories uh, or those sounds or those smells that will make you cringe too like in the hot summer fresh cut grass makes me think back to two a day football practices when it was hot as Hades Mm. out Mm. there or the air horn that goes off uh, near the pier was how they woke us up at 5.30 in the morning to do our first uh, workouts uh, oh, in college. Oh, my gosh. You have to hear that air Ooh. horn. You know, uh, you know, at a soccer match or something, the air horn goes off. Oh, i got to get up. Yeah, got to go. <laughs> well, that's a great example of, like, how a different memory could be so different for different characters. Like, right. for, like for you, the fresh-cut grass smell has those somewhat right. negative connotations right. for me it's like oh it's like summer and childhood right. and Same. Right. fun afternoons yeah. and yeah so yeah. it ruined it, it, it for me it did, you know yeah <laughs> uh all right well look this is a, a great post margie thank you for that uh when we come back we're going to do our uh, book recommendations and tell you what's coming next for all things charlotte readers podcast check out charlottereaderspodcast.com you can find a list of all episodes an alphabetical guest list with links Detailed show notes for each episode, a community blog, and more. We'd love to have you visit. All right, here we are, um, sir. We are in a book recommendation section of the show. You got something for us, uh, something wicked maybe? Yeah, so I, I'm recommending another Ray Bradbury book this time. Um, I'm, I mentioned in the last episode I'm recording a uh, podcast podcast for a different podcast tomorrow talking about Ray Bradbury on a show called Fika with Vicky. So I've been reading some of his works and last time I recommended Dandelion Wine and now I'm recommending Something Wicked This Way Comes, which is not technically a, a sequel or a follow-up to Dandelion Wine, but it's very similar in a lot of ways or almost feels like a an outgrowth or an extension of that book. Um, this one takes place in the same fictional town called uh, Greentown, based on the, the town in Illinois where Bradbury actually grew up. Um, and Dandelion Wine is set over the summer. This is set in the fall, right as Halloween is approaching. The characters are still like two young boys, but they're a little bit older, I think 13 going on 14 in this one. Um, and tonally, it's much darker. It's very like creepy and Halloween-y. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this carnival that comes to town in the middle of the night. And that's doing all sorts of kind of creepy and scary things. And these boys are the only ones who are really seeing what's going on. Um, so they have to try to protect their family and other people in the town. And it's just, it's really, the language is so evocative and he can take, it's not like kind of blood and guts sort of horror or gory or anything like that, but he just sets up these scenarios that are so, uh, kind of psychologically creepy and scary and he writes about them in a way that's very beautiful but dark at the same time um i had never read it before so i'm really enjoying it and it's just it's a very 
unusual and wonderfully written book. All right, that's great. Sounds uh, fun and wickedly scary, too, at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, all right, Hannah, what you got? Just a note on that. I, when it, something wicked, wicked This Way Comes reminds me of, like, the Harry Potter scene where all the, like, goblins are singing, and they're like, something wicked this way comes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, like, what I kept singing in my head <laughs> the entire time. Anyway, sounds like a I great book. A, I think the line <laughs> is from Macbeth originally, right? It is, it is. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think so. Um great song by the uh, goblins of <laughs> hp world but anyways <laughs> um i feel like i've got to give a shout out to mary best done right now who is one of our patrons and a good friend of mine former client that i worked with but she's given me so many great book recommendations over the years and the one i'm sharing today is another one from her called less by andrew sean greer um she recommended this to me years ago and i finally got around to reading it and it's such a great book i think it might have won the pulitzer prize um but it's about a an author uh and he is just going through a breakup and he's going on like a book tour around the world and it's just a very quirky funny strange book like he's a weird guy and he's just like going through this very odd like sad time in his life and he's sort of hoping that this book tour is gonna like lift his spirits and uh it kind of kind of does but also he goes through some things and um encounters some strange people and some funny people but it's a real it's got a lot of personality um he's got a lot of personality and his name's arthur less um which is kind of just like a funny name in itself to me and just like arthur less kind of like eeyore (laughs) or something like i don't know but it's it's a really great book it's super well written i think um Andrew Sean Greer is just a really great writer and it's kind of all over the place, like a stream of consciousness, like the way it's written, you're sort of just like inside of the character's brain. Um, but it's, it's a good ride. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. These are so great. And I don't have time to read as much as we're recommending here that you're all putting out. Maybe at the end of the year, we'll, we'll gather all these up uh, that we put in the newsletters and publish our recommendations that we did for the year or something keep that in mind right uh, checklist thing yeah yeah uh, a couple of uh from mark west and then i've got one let's hear from mark first hello this is mark west with the storied charlotte blog my book recommendation today is summer sisters by judy bloom judy bloom's been getting a lot of attention lately because her famous children's book Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, has just been made into a major film. But Judy Bloom has also written books for grown-ups, and Summer Sisters is such a book. This is a story about a friendship, a friendship between two women. Their friendship began when they were young and would spend their summers together at the beach. But as the story progresses, their friendship becomes strained and they go their separate ways. As the story progresses, however, there is an attempt to bring the friendship back. This is an interesting story that deals with female friendship, and I highly recommend it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Another good recommendation. Mark uh, West has been uh, making all these recommendations. He's very well read, a professor at uh, University of North Carolina at Charlotte, the English professor. He's got the Story Charlotte blog, and uh, as we wrap up uh, our summer episodes, he even had an extra one he threw in. We're going to play that one now. Hello, this is Mark West with the Story Charlotte blog. My book recommendation today is Solito, a memoir by Javier Zamora. I heard this author speak about this memoir at Versenvino last year, and I was fascinated by his story. In this memoir, he talks about his experiences when, at the age of nine, he left El Salvador by himself and walked all the way to the United States. This is a story about endurance. It's a story about bravery. And it's a story about hope. So often these days, when we hear about immigration, it's presented as just headlines. But this book really brings into focus the human dimension of the immigrant experience. I highly recommend Solito. Yeah, like how um, we end the note uh, in the summer with uh, 
with uh, Hope uh, from from Mark West. That's great. And it kind of ties into my recommendation today. It's a book I've had on my shelf for many years. I picked it up in an airport one time, read it. should probably go back and read it more. It's called The Gratitude Diaries, How a Year Looking on the Bright Side Can Transform Your Life by Janice Kaplan. Uh, it's true, actually. If you think positive thoughts, uh, you will be a more positive person. And uh, I find, uh, you know, it's got great stories in it. Uh, that will help you flip the narrative uh, from uh, maybe what's clouding your mind or your brain. It's not always as bad. I, always, I was joking about this recently uh, with some people who were on the golf trip. We were always looking at the weather, uh, and it, we were looking for the percentage chance of rain, right? There's always either a 30% or a 50% or a 60% chance of rain. Why don't they say there's a 50% chance of sun, you know? I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Let's flip the narrative here, you know? I mean, uh, we're always looking on this like a bunch of lawyers who are, who are doing the weather, you know? Uh, <laughs> Take it up with Jim Cantori. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You mean the guy who's standing sideways in a hurricane as he's, uh, yeah. Yeah, who got blown over supposedly yeah, yeah. <laughs> well not actually yeah. it, it's hard to tell that there's a hurricane going on jim cantor uh you know right uh, where you're that was hilarious it was honestly yeah. like the best moment of that hurricane <laughs> <laughs> the highlight. Uh, but but yeah no I'm, I'm 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 grateful uh uh hannah and sarah for y'all uh, being my co-hosts here and uh for helping uh juice up the podcast uh over the past uh god we've almost been doing it a year now together so uh we've done more than 50 episodes we've sort of figured things out a little bit over time i think uh and uh really appreciate doing it with y'all and uh i don't know what are y'all's thoughts on uh gratitude i have a lot of thoughts on that right now i feel like at this stage in my life i've been thinking about that a lot just like being a new mom and having a healthy baby and uh you know getting the opportunity to even though cincinnati might not be my first choice as far as where to move but getting to explore other cities kind of a cool thing and um yeah being involved with the podcast i really appreciate you inviting us to come on board and getting to know sarah better and our love our shared love for amazing television and (laughs) (laughs) having someone to actually bother with texting about it (laughs) that's all right that's been great for me um but getting to meet so many amazing authors too you know it's like working in the book world was always kind of my dream growing up and um being able to learn from people i work with client wise but also just talking with people that i've admired my entire life um of my reading life on this show has just been such a a gift to me so i appreciate both of you guys so much what are you grateful for these days sarah yeah yeah i mean i'm I'm definitely grateful to be able to be on this podcast it's been such a wonderful experience great to get to know both of y'all better and work with you um, and meet so many wonderful authors and read books that I probably would not have picked up on my own um, and sort of expand my boundaries that way. And I think that it's good to also just sort of be grateful for where we're at right now in the literary world. And I think it's easy to be a little bit doom and gloom, be like, oh, there's like, is traditional publishing going to survive? Are people going to read books? There's so much competition. Social media can be a, a you know, wasteland. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of things that are stressful, I think, about being a writer these days. But there's also like, we have more wonderful books out there than ever. We have more access to them than ever. Um, People are more and more educated over time. So we're getting more and more writers from different backgrounds. There are ways that you can put your work out there on your own without having to go through traditional publishers. Um, There's a bigger audience than ever that you can reach through the internet. Even if you have something that's a little bit niche, you can find your audience out there. So it's a great time to be a reader and to be a writer. And so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And in a weird kind of way, I'm grateful for the, uh, people out there that are trying to ban books because it's brought attention to the topic and it's uh, caused us to go back and uh, you know, be somewhat protective of those books uh, that should be out there and to go back and read them again and uh, appreciate them for what they are. Uh, you know, when a small minority of people tries to get their way, um, sometimes it has uh, consequences that uh, turn out to be positive uh, in the literary world. So that that's a plus. And Despite the fact that, uh, you know, I've had been moving all over the place and downsizing, getting rid of things, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be closer to Simon, uh, my grandson, and also uh, to try new life experiences. So, you know, it's all about, uh, you know, looking on the bright side as we move forward. And 
Speaking of the bright side, the podcast will continue in the fall. Sarah, can you tell our listeners what's coming next? Yeah, uh, next time we're turning to our fall episodes, and we're going to have some more of the same and author interviews, but also some new changes coming as well. So stay tuned to the next episode for more about that. And we appreciate all of you listening to the podcast. We hope that your reading and writing endeavors are enjoyable. Yeah, and as always, we're not going to change the end of this show because it's just sort of become, you know, the way we close things out. Thanks, thanks to Hannah. You're Hannah, so famous now. Yeah, you're famous. You're trademark. Let's trademark this. We should trademark. Yeah, I know. I'll should start we, the process. Should we get a shirt? So. Maybe that's what we should do this summer. Should we get some shirts, right? Uh, yeah, we should definitely get some shirts. And what should be on the, Hannah, tell us, what should be on those shirts, Hannah? It should be read on, write on, and rock on. All right. Folks. <laughs> 